Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian... How are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. And uh, no sorietes, I am Jeremiah O'Shan. Joining me today, a very special guest, Stefan Fry, uh, the, you know, the goalkeeper of the Seattle Sounders. How's it doing, Stefan? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, one of the reasons that we 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 actually, I'll, I'll, in full disclosure, the the reason that we we got this set up was through uh, a, a product that you're involved with, and we may as well get this right out of the way because we're going to be drinking it uh, during the show. So uh, Nova Fogo is a Brazilian cocktail. I'll let you explain what it is, but it's. It's not just a you actually designed this this packaging. It's it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's been a really cool collaboration. So uh, as you mentioned, Novo Fogo, it's actually a local company from Seattle, but they have distilleries down in uh, in Brazil um, where they make cachaça, which is Brazilian rum, and their national drink is a caipirinha, which essentially is you know cachaça, lime, sugar, and ice muddled together, and it makes for a really refreshing cocktail. And I think it's kind of uh, you know taking uh, North America by storm. I think people are getting introduced to it and, uh, and are liking it. But my story and why I teamed up with them kind of goes back to when I first moved to, to Seattle. Um, we, my, wife, my wife and I, in 2014, we, we lived in Belltown and we went to a, to a bar and, and they had an event there, Novo Fogo, where we, you know, we ran into them and were able to, to meet the, 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 the CEO, the president of the company and chatting with them and uh, you know growing up in Switzerland uh, somehow cachaça had made its way over to Europe to Germany to Austria to Switzerland so I was familiar with it and I enjoyed it ever since I was old enough to be able to enjoy it so uh, um, you know we kind of hit it off there and stayed in contact a little bit and then in the beginning or end of last year I should say we kind of really decided hey is there is there a way for us to collaborate and get together so um Learned more about the company. It's an amazing company, uh, carbon negative, um, an all-female distillery team. Um, so very conscious uh, company that, that tries to do it the right way, um, has been trying to um, really help the, the, the Brazilian Amazon and the rainforest uh, in their unendangered project, unendangered species project, which really tries to get the 36 species off the uh, endangered list. And uh, we kind of saw potential not just to create something together as me as an athlete and a, and a caipirinha lover, uh, but also as an artist, uh, get into the packaging and, and also uh, get something going as a, with a, what we call the tree keeper program to, to raise some more funds to, uh, to be able to help uh, the rainforest. Yeah, so um, I'll show you. This is what I thought was really interesting is it's not just like you're the spokesperson for this product. You actually designed the packaging and and you got like little uh you making us you making the save here 
Uh, and I guess if I looked closely enough, it says artwork by Seattle Sounders uh, goalkeeper Stephen Fry. So uh, this is, I mean, this is like a, it's, it's like showing multiple sides. It's not just, they're not just bringing you in for a pretty face. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. It was, it was a perfect collaboration, a uh, perfect opportunity for me to, for, 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 to strike that partnership, you know, and as you see behind me, my art style is very, I have an identity as an artist, but uh, as you, uh, we, we were talking about before we even started here, you know, with the posters by the people, um, I've done numerous ones of those. Um, it, it's, it's, there's ways for you to, to show that you have a bit of diversity and that you can um, create other things as well. And so for, for me right away, when the opportunity arose to create packaging, you know, you can't just willy nilly go and paint some lines because there has to be, you have to be able to read what, what is this product? You have to convey, what are you selling to the consumer? So those were all super interesting things for me to try to tackle and, and learn a little bit. So we came up with, yeah, these two, these two things, the one you just saw right here, but yeah, um, from scratch, um, took pictures that they had uh, taken down in, in Brazil. Um, where, where they the, grow the cans. So the background, you see the mountains, the mountain ranges, those are actually the mountain ranges from where they have the distillery, you know? Um, then there's some, some Pacific Northwest things, these, these little um, plants and the, 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 the wild uh, nature that you see. I took the pictures up here in Bainbridge Island and kind of emulated some of those things from there. So it's kind of a, a mixture of both worlds. Very colorful, you know, Brazil is very colorful, samba, lots of energy, lots of vibrance. So it gave me lots to work with uh, when it came to that. And then we also, like you mentioned, we, we had to make a cool logo to, uh, to come out with our tree keeper, tree keeper program. Um, so we have that, uh, it's been a bit of a crazy time with obviously supply chains. So, uh, I, I designed this a few months ago already it was finished, but, uh, we're finally going to be able to launch this six pack here of canned cocktails and then the Caipirinha kit, which is this big thing right here too, which I also designed in January of next year. And it will be available in Washington, um, New York and also California. So it, it is a long process, but I learned a lot and it's been super interesting. Yeah, so that was actually one of the things I wanted to to talk to you about is is how your art has evolved over the years. You know, you look back at that 2014 posters by the people. I wish I had it uh, here, but it's you. People may remember it. It was sort of a a witch looking into a cauldron, and I think it was a preview of a, a San Jose Earthquakes game. Very, I mean, like it could almost not be more different than the the art that you're doing now, which is very modern, like uh, hard lines and angles. Uh, and this is, you know, it was much more of like a free, very freehand and, and like, uh, you know, like maybe, I don't know, traditional is the probably the wrong word, but like, you know, it, it was a very distinctly different style. And, and, so, and the reason we started talking about this is like, you, you mentioned that that is much more evocative of what this, like this packaging looks like. It is a similar, like, at least closer in, in style. Yeah. Um, but how, how much of those two styles do you continue to do in your own? time i mean obviously you have a very distinct style as a like a budding artist yeah and uh, and that is my style and that is my identity you know so like the things you see behind me in this you know that's me and my personality coming through it's uh, it's a lot of goalkeeping in that art too right um the, the the precision with the geometric shapes that's the everyday work a goalkeeper puts in on the field you know not not surrendering any control at any given point and trying to um, pay attention to the utmost detail. That's, that's me coming through on that. But um, it's also really important to show that, you know, that, like, I, like I said, that diversity, the, 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 
the capability to 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 do something different and in the posters by the people when we when we started that whole thing it was important for me I, I saw little kids and you know if I would do something abstract they would be like what am I looking at so for me it was important there to do something that kids could point at and be like oh look at this oh look at that oh my god there's you know she's got a big wart on her nose just all these details that I spent hours uh, putting in there but it was also challenging and I think that's important to to not get uh, too comfortable in your own style, um, but to keep exploring. And that's why I love art too, because as a goalkeeper, I don't get to explore much. Um, you know, it's like, these, these are the parameters, don't screw up uh, or else there's big consequences. In, in art, it's like, oh, let's see how this goes. Let's see what happens. And that's really refreshing for me to keep me sane as well as a goalkeeper. So was, I assume you've been an artist for probably most of your life, but when did you start looking at art as something that not just something you were doing in your own time for your own reasons, but something that you wanted to put out into the public and be kind of known as an artist? Um, I think, I think it started getting more serious once I turned pro in 09 in, in with Toronto, you know, um, my, my mom and my brother got me a pen tablet as kind of like a, a gift for going pro. And at that point I started really using it, to deal with the pressures of being a goalkeeper. Um, but quickly, obviously, you know, management teams, they, they, they love the fact that you have other things about you as a player that you, that they can maybe share with, with their fans. So um, I started doing a lot of things for charity events, um, whether it was designing uh, something that went on a guitar, or whether it was designing a huge poster um, that was then going to get put on a banner, um, um, things like that, you know? So it, it was a lot of, I wasn't really selling things. I was just uh, creating revenues for good, for good causes. So that was a really good thing. But um, I decided a few years ago that um, I was super fortunate to be able to turn a passion into a profession with, with football, with soccer. Um, and so why not do this again uh, when ultimately that, that, team, that time comes to make the transition? You know, I love art. Um, I'm, I'm proud of the way I've evolved and, and what I've been able to create. And I see a good future in it. So I wanted to be able to learn um, away from the digital space, um, how to do things in the old school way on canvases, on walls, on stuff like that. Because ultimately, for me, the love for art grew with graffiti. That's where it started. Um, so that is always going to be some nods of graffiti in, in my art pieces because, because that's where, that's how I started. So, but who knows where it will end up, right? Um, right now, still trying to build this second thing a little up, uh, but give, give soccer the utmost respect and try to do it for as long as I can. Was there a point where you started to think of yourself as an artist? Like you weren't just someone that was doodling in their, uh, notebook, but actually putting it out for public consumption? I mean, I, I hired a branding company uh, um, and they had to correct me multiple times whenever I would say I'm an aspiring artist. They're like, stop saying that. You are an artist, you know? And, uh, and I wrestled with that idea quite, quite a while in terms of, you know, most fans that see my art are maybe my soccer fans. And so they, they're most likely not going to be the most harsh critique on the planet. Um, and so the question is like, well, do they like it because they like it? Or am I doing something completely terrible and people are just uh, lying to you, right? Um, but I kind of decided that it didn't matter. It was an expression of myself and how I felt and, and who I was. And that's 
I want to keep doing that. I love expressing myself in that way. Um, I can spend hours in, in, in the studio in here and, and, uh, and be so happy seeing something come together, you know, constructing something, uh, building something. Um, again, as a goalkeeper, it's very strange because I don't really get to build. Uh, I, I am the last destroyer, if you will, you know, so uh, maybe that's, maybe that'll be a second chapter in my life is uh, I'll build instead of destroy. Right. <laughs> so do you look back on, on some of your earlier pieces and like, when you look at that, like going back to the 2014 posters by the people that you did, do you look at that and go like, I oh, don't know. I, I like that. I, I like where I was going with it. I like my mindset there. Or do you, do you find yourself critiquing your old art? Um, I think you critique, always critique the art. Uh, and, and I can't remember who it was. It was a famous artist. Uh, Might have been Van Gogh or something. An artist is someone who is trying to find perfection, but knows they'll never achieve it. And that, again, is for me, that's a goalkeeper. Uh, it, it just 100% same thing. You know, I can have a to to the to the public eye i can have a perfect game as a goalkeeper uh make brilliant saves but the one thing that i'll remember is like in the 56 minute i i try to hit that ball 30 yards to this guy and i just missed him by five yards and it's bugging me right because you're striving for that perfection so there and you know you'll never be perfect it's impossible uh you'll always have something that you could have done better and so maybe the fact that i've lived my life that way because of goalkeeping for so long um, I, I feel really comfortable in the, in the space of being an artist. Do you feel like you have improved? Uh, like, do, are you satisfied with your journey as an artist? Do you feel like you're moving in the direction that you want to be moving? Yeah, I really like it. Uh, I wish I had more time to, to grow quicker and, and uh, more deliberately. Um, but again, I have to remind myself that, uh, you know, being a professional athlete requires a lot of attention and fairly so so i want to make sure that that i give it that attention but um that's the thing i don't think there's any missteps in art right like you know it, even, even that post just by the people that's completely different maybe there's certain elements i learned in designing it or or completing it that i can use or or help me view something in a different light you know like the latest piece i'm working on uh which is that bottom one there uh, purplish and, and, and orangey um, is starting to introduce some collage techniques, some uh, some actual organic painting with markers, which for me back, back then was like a big no, no, no. Uh, I could not ever try to uh, paint a human or a horse or something like that. Mm. But uh, it's kind of like starting to get in there because I want to create juxtapositions of, as well of like organic and inorganic shapes. You know, again, that those different worlds of, of control versus uncontrolled as well. So um, it's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's awesome. I love it. And who knows where it'll be in maybe, maybe in five years or 10 years, Mark will look completely, completely different, but it's a process, a journey. And, you know, similarly, do you, do you look back on your goalkeeping of, of previous years and, and find yourself critiquing it and thinking like, Oh man, I, I, like, I don't know. Maybe, like I, I look back at some of the stuff I wrote when I was younger and I'm like, I cringe. Yeah. Uh, and, but I mean, and I'm not suggesting that you should go back and look at your old goalkeeping and cringe, but uh, I mean, do you, do you find yourself, like, do you think you've, you've evolved for the better as a goalkeeper? I know that it, that's sort of counterintuitive maybe to. Oh, I've certainly evolved. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I think you just, just clip for a second. Yeah, no, I certainly evolved as a goalkeeper. Um, and I think you have to, right. Um, 
There are certain things that come with age, like experience, which is great. And that's something that you can't be like sitting here now saying, I wish, um, you know, I had done this differently 10, 15 years ago because you didn't have that experience. Right. And, but at, on the same side, uh, that's why I have a huge admiration for someone uh, like Nick Romano, you know, because I know how he was able to change with the game. The game keeps evolving and him and, and, Maybe, yeah, I was in the same boat. We were told when we were young, when in doubt, kick it out. Literally boot it out of the stadium. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's a lost possession. What are we doing? So you're, you're, you have to adapt in, in the most uncomfortable way there is. You know, like when, when the, the alarm bells are ringing, um, you're supposed to stay calm now all of a sudden um, and, and do the complete opposite of what you were, do were doing before. And that's, that's pretty scary, um, but you have to be able to do it because the game keeps evolving. And so there's things where I think have improved uh, throughout the years. There's things uh, where I definitely uh, still need to improve a lot um, and still want to improve. Um, but I'm happy. I'm happy with the fact that I've been able to do it for so long. I think that's a testament to it, right? Um, there's certainly a lot of video that I do not want to look at. Um, you have to also have selective memory and, you know, look, know which things to look at in the past and know which ones to definitely avoid. <laughs> well, you know, that's one of the things uh, that Tommy Dutra, I know, has said at times is that it, you, you have to have a short memory sometimes as a goalkeeper that you can't get too focused on your failures because it's like, you, you learn from them, but you kind of have to let go of them. I, I think is maybe a, a phrase that he said, but I am. What is it? We've heard so many times that Tommy Dutra is a great goalkeeping coach. What is he doing differently or what does he understand that uh, makes him such a good goalkeeping coach? Um, number one would be his passion for goalkeeping. Uh, the, the guy lives and breathes goalkeeping. Um, and and you, you just that there's no substitute for that. Right. So like th there's, Yes, I should be self-motivated and I love goalkeeping. I'm motivated every day. I love, I love goalkeeping more than soccer itself. Um, but when you come to training and you have someone who's leading the sessions and he is as motivated as he is and into it, I mean, if you were to ask him questions, uh, you know, nonstop, you, we'd be at the, at the training facility till 8 p.m. You know, you would not stop. So uh, it, it's really easy to, to follow that lead when you have someone as passionate as him. Uh, I think the dialogue is there, you know, we're able to focus in on things and then get feedback and then he changes it as well. Um, we look at video, we're, we do a lot of work, a lot of extra work. Um, you know, we look at video, we see that, oh, this thing is creeping in. Uh, let's pay a little more attention in the next two, three weeks on this thing to make sure we, we nip it in the butt. So you see, this is the thing with goalkeeping. We have sometimes have young goalkeepers that come in and I see it that we're talking about hand positioning, for example, and and it's, it's viewed almost as in like, oh, once you find a hand positioning, it's a check mark. And then for the rest of your career, you're done. Your hand positioning is perfect. That's not how it works. It's ever evolving. You know, you might change. The game might change. The ball changes. The whole situation changes. So you have to co constantly try to get better in every aspect. I mean, this is why you see the best of the best in the world still have terrible days at the office. Because otherwise, Neuer knows how to have his hand positioning. Neuer knows how to you know, uh, push off his proper leg. He's got it all, but there's still moments where he cannot do it perfectly. And it's, it's the beauty of the game. The margins are so, so tiny. And we try to literally pay 
pay attention to every inch that we do, every step, everything. Um, and there's a lot of pressure comes with that, but uh, it, it's, it's, it's fun. I love diving into that world as, and get into it so deep that you forget everything around it. And again, to bring it back to art, um, art is the exact same way. You know, I can, I can be here on this table painting and five hours later, I'm like, whoa, what just happened? You know, I have no, I can't believe I just spent five hours on this, but that, that, that's how it goes. I mean, going back to these things, you know, this, like I was kind of in Brazil in the rainforest for a while, you know, like trying to, you know, hear the, the cans of different flavors are standing on the actual greenery, you know, um, on this side, they're hanging like their fruits themselves. You know, we have uh, really cool little details like here in Brazil, for example, the A is a, a girl kicking a ball instead of an A. There's just so much stuff to get lost in. There's the, the Seattle skyline right here. Just little nods that, um, you know, lots of details. And, and that's maybe a little bit different in what I, what I do with my art because Again, this is kind of like something people can look at and can really just go and discover and dive into themselves. While sometimes maybe with my abstract art, it's, it's a bit more difficult to see the, the, the point or the, the thought that, that was behind that work. And so if you were to get into goalkeeping as a coach, what, what features would you, or what characteristics would you be looking for in goalkeepers? Or which, what do you think you would be like, Imparting. Yeah, question. I, I know what you mean. And obviously it, it depends on what level, what level we're talking about. I would love to work with kids at an academy level um, because I did a lot of coaching stuff when I was in college, you know, with camps and granted there is still a lot of kids that get sent to these camps in terms of almost a babysitting, like take care of my kid for a little bit, but you can suss out the ones that truly enjoy the position very quickly. And then the, the thing that I, um, that I love to see is when, when you see the, 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 the wheels turning, right? If I say something and it's not just like, oh yeah, okay, or whatever. Um, but when you see, okay, what, what, what are we talking about here? And then the first step to getting better is you feeling the things that we're talking about. So if we're talking about a simple thing of you're not getting the proper push on the proper leg and you know, next thing you see that kid make a save and then they make the save, but as they're down on the ground, they're like, ah, then they're realizing, they're starting to realize what is actually going on. This is why we use a lot of tape. We, we tape almost every keeper session and we watch it because instead of me saying it a, a five million times, if you see it two, three times on yourself, it, it, it just changes quickly. But that's the first step is having an open mind to, to realize that there's things to improve and then have, having that kind of, uh, intelligence to be able to realize these things as they're happening, feeling them, you know, it's, yeah, that, that would be the thing I would look out for first. Do you ever allow yourself to look at a goal that got scored and say, ah, oh, there was nothing I could have done there. Um, you, you, you very rarely, very, very, I couldn't really tell you one right now. And it, it goes so far back, right. You're, you're talking about, the, the technical aspect at the end of it, the dive and the catch or whatnot. Uh, then you're talking about the footwork before, and then you can go even further and say, what about the organizational part beforehand? Um, you know, we take responsibility in that as well. Um, so very rarely be, will you say, I, I organized 100% perfectly because clearly you didn't because, you know, something broke down. Um, and then 
and then you just go down the whole thing. I mean, yeah, like I said, there's, there's no such thing as a perfect game and there's no such thing as a, as a perfect goal scored on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I always wonder about that because it's like, I, I would think on some level, it's a balancing act, right? Like you need to give yourself a break sometimes. Like you can't oh, wow. beat yourself up over everything, but yet you need to hold yourself accountable at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you, that comes with experience. You know, let's say you have a Saturday to Saturday game. You have an absolute howler on the Saturday game, the first one. You want to look at that thing. You want to look at the video. You want to see what you did wrong. Uh, but then by, you know, Monday, you want you want to really just be done with that. Maybe, you know, work on some things in training that emulate that to give you the confidence that, hey, I've gotten better on that particular thing during the week. Um, uh, and then you start preparing for the opponent already, right? Because you have to then do your research on and your scouting on who you're facing, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. Um, and then your butterflies arrive for that new game. But if you've done all that properly, you should hopefully be able to deal with those butterflies then. Um, if, you, if you really still have that last Saturday huge blunder circling around you come kickoff of next game, you're probably not going to be able to have a good game. Is there a goalkeeper that you watch that you uh, that you feel like you learn from when you when you watch them? Um, my favorite two goalkeepers growing up were Oliver Kahn and Peter Schmeichel, and I I rewinded that VHS the VHS tapes of them training or highlight videos of them until the thing was just done. And at that point, I was probably seven, eight, nine years old. And I didn't even understand the intricacies of being a goalkeeper, right? That nitty gritty detail I was talking about. So, um, but what fascinated me was the hunger, the drive, the, the relentless um, willing, willing, the, rela- the willingness to sacrifice yourself for the greater good in a way, right? Like throwing yourself into a shot where other people would cower away from it. Um, that, that, that was just, Oh, that was inspiring. Uh, and, and you could see when you watch old Bayern Munich uh, games, you can see that rub off on the teammates. They're like, holy crap, this guy is insane, literally insane. Uh, but it would make them find another level. And I wanted to be that. Um, that inspired me. I mean, video games, I'm the same way. When you, if you can pick your class in a, in a first-person shooter, I'm the support. I'm the medic. I dish out and make sure everybody else is good. you got to kind of be a supporter in a supporting role as a goalkeeper, someone who wants to bail out their teammates. You know, you're the last one that can do it. If nobody else makes an error, you don't have anything to do. But you've got to love the fact that someone makes an error and you can come to go and help them. So I know you said that art kind of bleeds into the goalkeeping aspect of it. Does play, like I know you're an avid, I guess, gamer is the maybe the right term. Uh, but does that bleed into goalkeeping or is that completely like, that? no, that's my, that's my, not goalkeeping stuff in my life. Um, I would say maybe that's the one, that's the only way it bleeds or goalkeeping bleeds into video games for me is that I I try to stay back, be a bit more calculated, a bit more strategic um, and then make my moves. Um, And and again, more of a supporting cast role than like, you know, the striker that goes crazy and has to have the highest kill, kill death ratio. I don't really care about that kind of stuff. So um, but other than that, video game provides yet another outlet to just kind of forget about sports, forget about the pressures. I love role-playing games at times because you can go to ancient Egypt in Assassin's Creed and you can walk through that, you know, and just dive into a different world. 
Um, and if I had a howler on Saturday, if I played out on Sunday, I, I will not remember that howler. So that's good. So I'm, I'm guessing that another area that you're able to get some relief now is that you, you're living on Bade Bridge Island. Yeah. We've talked about how you can, you have to do that commute. You, you take that ferry ride across the, across the sound, uh, every, I guess every day almost. Um, are you able to use that time to like get away from, from soccer or is that, are you using that time to sort of think about it? Um, I think the ferry ride for me has really been very good to dissect or separate my worlds. And it's almost like a, a, a threshold that I have to cross. So in the morning, you know, when I take the ferry and it's about 30 minutes, um, it's, it's time to get ready in, in terms of your, your mental space, ready to go to work. Um, and when I get to training, um, you know, the prep, the activation, the, the treatment, um, all the things that you do before training is like 100%. And then training is 100%. And then after training, when I get back on the ferry, it's almost like decompress time for 30 minutes and go back to your oasis. And it, it, it's, it's helped me a lot. People keep asking, like, don't you hate it taking the ferry every day? You know, my wife even says, I couldn't do it every day like you do, but I love it because it, it gives me that separation. Um, and, you know, the ferry, it's, again, it, either I take a nap if I'm exhausted from training for 20 minutes, 30 minutes after training, or maybe I get my emails done, or I do the, you know, the, the social media for, for 20, 30 minutes. Uh, it's not waste of time, so to speak, right? Um, and so it's, it's been great. Um, I enjoy that way more than sitting in traffic for 30 minutes, that's for sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I can... I actually have thought that doing a ferry commute would be a pretty pleasant, like all, like you look at the kind of commutes you can do. That it seems like it would be pretty pleasant. Yeah, I mean, you, there's, there, there's a certain, there's a certain Island lifestyle that you have to get used to too, in terms of there's a schedule. And so, you know, you can't just be like, all right, let's go and do something. You kind of have to figure things out beforehand, but I'm, I'm somewhat organized as a, as a Swiss person. So uh, I'd like to think, and, and, and it hasn't been a problem for me. And do you find that you're able to sort of like, because you're able to do social media or do your email or do those kinds of things on the ferry, are you able to kind of put those things away and not get wrapped up in that stuff when you're at home? Try to. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, that's, that's the one thing that I've been trying to, a point I've been trying to get across and I probably haven't done that good of a job with it since I've come out as an artist, you know, when I created my logo, it's the 24. And I've had this obsession with my number um, since I was probably six years old. Um, and it started just as a simple obsession. And now it's like, you know, I, I have to do in gym. It's, it's a full blown obsession. It has to be two sets of 12 or three sets of eight and all that stuff. But when I came out as an artist and I decided this was my logo, besides it being my number, I, I wanted to make a point that in a day there's 24 hours, 24 hours for you to go and do something. Uh, free to be productive or at least free to be conscious of what you're doing um, kind of carpe diem in a way so um, yes when you're in the ferry and you spend 30 minutes on silly um, reddit or whatever mark that as in like hey it wasn't a waste of 30 minutes but I spent that 30 minutes deliberately on there uh, I, it, it helped me get my fix in terms of that but I've done it you know um, and, and so yeah that 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 is still a struggle. I think every person struggles with that, making sure that they are paying attention to where they spend their time and how much and what they're actually doing. Um, but 
as long as it's, you know, those, those, those silly moments or breaks that I acknowledge and I get lost in things that are a bit more productive, like art, then I'm fine with it. Has moving to Bainbridge helped in that way? Like, have you found that it's actually like you're, it's a better, like, I know we can say that it's a better separation, but is it a better separation? I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's calm here. Right. And we're in a rental here right now and we're, we're, we're started the process of building our own house and it, it, it's still, it's, it's so peaceful here. You know, it's peaceful. The, the family loves it. The dogs love it. You know, you can go down to the beach, especially someone who doesn't work normal working hours. Um, you know, if, if the, the tide is low at two or 3 PM and we can go down to the water and there's literally nobody down there and the dogs can just go and run. Um, it's, it's really, it's really nice. It's really good for the soul. I think, you know, and sometimes when I come back from training, my, my wife has to kind of kick me in the butt and be like, let's go. We're going to go walk the dogs down by the water. I'm like, Oh, I'm exhausted. I don't want to do it. But when I'm actually down there, it's, it's, it, it really is really good. It, it recharges your batteries. It's good for your soul. That's, that's the only way I can put it. And yeah, so far it's been great. So you've been with the Sounders since 2014, I guess it would have been almost exactly seven years that you got traded to the Sounders. Uh, does the Seattle now feel like, I imagine it may have been a while, but does, does Seattle feel like home for you? Eight years. Eight years. And, and yes, no, it, don't, it totally does. Um, I mean, bad mouth. It's, uh, no, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get to 10 plus. That's why I'm, okay. that's why I'm aware of that. Uh, for me, again, like, you know, having grown up in Switzerland, like players that were able to stay with a, with a team for a long, long time. Um, was was special for me. Like uh, thinking of Mehmet Scholl, for example, uh, at Bayern Munich. You know, that's that's a legendary thing to do, especially in today's day and age. You don't see that very often. So that's one of my goals. But um, 100%, this feels like home. You know, my wife is is Canadian, um, and she she she's a flight attendant in the private sector and used to fly out of the Middle East. Um, and recently made the transition to get a green card to be able to put down roots herself here, um, you know, because we love it. We love it here and we see the future here. And so uh, she found a, an amazing uh, company and family to be part of as well here in, in, uh, in the Pacific Northwest. And yeah, we love it. And um, we would love to stay here for, for, for uh, quite, quite a while. Was there a, a point where you started to, like when you got here and you thought, no, I could, I could, I could, I could put down real roots here. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, like one of, one of the biggest things for me is loyalty. I, I'm, I'm extreme and I'm an extremely loyal person. And, and I, I, I honestly, I, I had all that intention even in, in Toronto, you know, because in Toronto, I, I owed a lot to the people that gave me a, a start to my career. Um, I, I was really fond of the people there. The fans were really respectful and supportive. The, the people in Toronto were good. I know the city was an incredible city. So um, I enjoyed my time there, but um, you know, that, that last year and a half was not ideal. And, uh, and you know, these, these, uh, these jobs are cutthroat jobs. These are, you know, result-based businesses and you can't, you can't waste money on people that are not playing on top of that. So um, our actually, our intent was to go to, to Europe because I had the Swiss passport and, we were uh, at our honeymoon and that's when we got word through my agent that the Sounders were interested. And for me, that was a no brainer right away because I was starving for, I was starving for success uh, as, as a team, not personally, because personally really 
I was an immediate starter. I was defensive uh, player of the year almost every year in Toronto. Um, finally won some championships, some Canadian championships. But other than that, we never made the playoffs. And so for, for, for the Sounders to come knocking and be like, hey, uh, we would love to, to, uh, for you to come over and, and, and work to try to get a starting spot, I was, I was on board right away. And having spoken to Tommy at that point, to Siggy as well, with the German connection there, uh, I was stoked. I was, I was hooked right away and I wanted to come as soon as possible. So while you've been here, obviously you've been a citizen since what, 18? Is that right? Yes, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. What, when did you decide that you wanted to become a U.S. citizen? Interesting. Good question. Because uh, so when I first in 09, um, when I took the job in Toronto um, and I was a year uh, a starter there, I got I got questions from the U.S. national team to try to play for them. And at that point, I just didn't feel like that connection was there for me. So I said, no, I'm good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off on it. Um, the reason why I decided to become a citizen in the end was because, um, I had realized that I'd spent half of my year in North America, half of my life, sorry, in North America at that point. And, and as much as I enjoyed my childhood in Switzerland, I think it was the best, um, I couldn't ask for anything better. And I strongly identified as a Swiss person. I also had acknowledged that, um, you know, this had shaped me and my time in the Bay area. Uh, a little bit of time in Toronto, but then also back here again. And, and I liked it. I wanted to also be able to speak my, my piece, speak, uh, speak in terms of what was going on in this country and is still going on in this country. And as a foreigner, I felt like a guest here for a long time, even though I was a green card holder. Um, and, and so I felt like it wasn't my place to speak. And, and so uh, I, it was a time for me to get to the table, to, to say my, my words. And for me to be able to do that, I wanted to actually become a citizen first. And so that's why I did it. Do you think last year in everything that we went through, both, uh, you know, socially, but also, you know, with the pandemic and everything else, did it make it easier to navigate that knowing that you were a citizen and that you could speak like as an American and not just as someone who was visiting? And like you said, probably, um, I think, I think the fact that I'm also older probably helps. Uh, I'm at peace with being who I am. Um, I, 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 I stand behind what I say and who, what I do and what I believe in. Um, I think, especially when they're very basic things, in my opinion, of trying to be a good, good human being, um, accepting for, of everybody um, and giving everybody a fair shot. So uh, it, it, it's it's come easier and easier as I've gotten older. I think to to be to be firm a bit more firmer with that because you know when, when I grew up actually at Cal when we did interviews you know and try to prep for for that next world with interviews um, the, the 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 point was always if you don't want to say something you can always say no comment and I think at this point in time maybe. Again, this is because I'm older, but I think no comment says a lot as well. You know, if there's if there's a topic that is that is an important topic, can there really be such a thing as no comment? I mean, you've got to have an opinion about it, right? You can say that maybe this is not what you want to talk about because you have other people that you're um, representing or organizations and such. But um, it's it's been interesting since I've gotten older. I think that I've drifted away from that no comment. Uh, I feel like that is that is the biggest comment of all of them. You're, you're, you're afraid to say what you actually want to say, right? 
Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard you say no comment. So uh, I feel like we've talked plenty of times and I'm, I'm fairly certain I've never heard those words come out of your mouth. Good. So Good. you're doing Watch. well there. <laughs> By the way, how's, how's your drink? What are, you, are you still on the, the lime? Yeah, I was still drinking the lime and it's extremely refreshing. I, yeah. I'm, I'm impressed. I have not had a lot of canned cocktails in my day. Same. And it's good. Like it's, it's a good drink. I mean, it's like, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's got a nice punch, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's well, easy. Drink. It's a little, it's very easy drinking. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the other thing with this one. Well, this lime one in particular that you're drinking right now, that is like the highest rated uh, ready to go uh, cocktail that you can buy out of the can. And you're absolutely right. I think that's, I, I'm old school too. Like I'm still, you know, can I mix my own cocktail? Can I make it? But um, I feel like that's where the new culture, new drinking culture is coming. Ready, ready, ready to go cocktails, you know, out of the can. And a lot of them are not good, but this one, this is the highest rated one, 94, I think 96 points or something. Um, and also it packs a bigger punch. Like, like <laughs> you just mentioned, I think it has like 8%. Yeah. 8.2% apparently. Yeah. A hard seltzer is around five. So, yeah. uh, you know, you, you get what you want on this one. No, but it's a, it's, it's a good, it's a, it's good drinking. Uh, but uh, so one of the other things I was, I was curious about, you know, the Sounders now have, they, you guys have always had a bunch of Spanish speaking players. Uh -huh. you now huh? Yeah. Yeah. Go, go, oh, okay. You have, you, you have a, you now have a, a bunch of French speaking or a few French speaking players. Nope. You even have a couple uh, Portuguese speaking players. Have you had a German speaking player since you've been there? Uh, yeah, we had um, Andreas Ivanchitz from. Oh, Austria. that's right. Okay. And then we also had Nelson Valdez, who spent his time in, in, uh, in Dortmund for a long, long time. So funny story. Let's go to a funny story. Uh, Good. When, when those two guys uh, arrived or were just about to arrive in, in, uh, in Seattle, Ziggy asked me to go and, and make him feel comfortable. I speak German. Um, go take him to a nice dinner, put it on the team's tab. So I was like, uh, okay, Metropolitan Grill. So Metropolitan Grill, we went and... Uh, it was funny because we went and, uh, and I didn't know at that point, it wasn't, it wasn't a hundred percent set whether I was going to take the bill or whether the team was going to take the bill, but I was like, you know, it's fine. These are, these are awesome players. I'm so excited. They're joining our team. So it, it'll happen uh, uh, until Nelson Valdez turns out that his father-in-law owned restaurants and he's a, he's a fine wine connoisseur. <laughs> Uh, who now is sifting through this list of wine uh, that's like four or $500. And I'm just like, oh God, I, I cannot pick up this tab. This cannot happen. <laughs> I didn't have to in the end. So what did you, did you have the company credit card? What did they give you there? How'd that, no, how'd that no, work I, out? I ended up, I ended up paying it and then they reimbursed, but he did, he only showed okay. us like what the good wines are. We actually were pretty PG that night. Um, and yeah, it was a good evening. I miss those guys. They were, they were fun to have on the team. Yeah, that was, and I mean, obviously you have plenty of German influences within the team. I mean, I, does Brian actually speak German? I know he I've calls himself I've, German. I've never heard him speak German. <laughs> so I wouldn't know. I've never heard him. But Siggy must, Siggy must, you must have spoken German with Siggy. Yeah, Siggy all the time. I mean, Siggy, I spoke, I remember when the Sounders played in Toronto and I was still part of Toronto in this must have been 2012 or something like that. And after the game, he pulled me aside and we spoke in German for a little bit and we could be as loud as we wanted and nobody could really understand this. But even there, he kind of planted the seed that, hey, we think you're a good goalkeeper. 
Uh, we've been following your career and such. So um, yeah, spoke, spoke German with him all the time. And, you know, obviously he, he loved his German food as well. So do I. There's an incredible German place in Burien called Hans's Delicatessen, Hans's Delicacies. And uh, Hans and his people, they, they even have, I think they imported the sausage making like meat grinders and stuff from Germany. They have incredible stuff. If you ever need a German fix, um, um, Ziggy would send me there all the time. He, he, he would ask me, are you going, are you going to Hans's? And I'm like, no, I'm not going today. And then when I finally would go, he'd be like, oh, just give me a little some of this and this, but great place and missed that guy too he was a good coach good guy he, he was a he was a great guy uh yeah. well uh, that's probably a good note to end this on steph uh you've been great uh again uh, i really appreciate you doing this uh this project you're doing with nova fogo seems to be uh, pretty exciting and it's and it's great that it's not just like i said not just your pretty face but you're actually doing your pretty art on there so that's pretty cool yeah, pretty art and we're trying to raise some funds you know the whole tree keeper program too it was like it was a great catchy name with tree keeper and we're keeping the trees as a goalkeeper. I'm keeping, you know, the trees. Uh, but I think the idea is to potentially make me sort of the captain of this and, and see if we can make branch this out, you know, go, go maybe some other goalkeepers, maybe some other people that are not goalkeepers, but right now with this tree keeper program, a uh, hundred, a hundred bucks get donated uh, for every save that on the sounders we make. Mm. Uh, towards this unendangered species project and i think we're over eight eight thousand dollars at this point thanks to not so much me but uh, mainly stephen cleveland and uh and Spencer Spencer Ritchie. Ritchie and also alex Roldan. so oh he got credit too that good to yeah, see that alex got credit for that he doesn't seem to be getting enough credit for his goalkeeping yeah <laughs> no it's been great and hopefully uh, hopefully we can keep going with it and and uh and and raise some more awareness and raise some more funds Awesome. Well, uh, I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, I am signing off. Uh, this is Jeremiah for uh, the Center at Heart podcast and No Sadietis. We'll catch you next time.